the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, And uh, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, by the way, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for the daily email. Uh, Goes out 8 a.m. East Coast, um, 5 a.m. Pacific time, and you can get the update. It's a wink. What you need to know. Hey, in a few moments, we'll talk with uh, John Schlafly. Get an update from John. His weekly column is out, and it's about the uh, pro-life uh, issues surrounding the pill, the abortion pill. We'll also talk with Jordan Burke. Jordan Burke uh, will be a guest. He's a first-time guest. Um, he's there's a movie out, and and the I recorded the interview with Jordan, so we're going to play that in a few minutes. He's a he's a um, new guy in the uh, field of helping promote books, I guess. So it's a, it's not my favorite interview ever. We sort of started slow, but it's about uh, there's a new book out called The Pope's Exorcist, and it's about uh, this um, uh, priest, Father Gabriel Amorth, who was sort of famous for having been um, a uh, an exorcist for decades, um, 20 or 30 years. Uh, and the reason why it's uh, timely is because there's a new movie coming out just in a few days. I think it comes out on Friday, a movie uh, starring Rachel, uh, Rachel, um, Rachel Crow, Russell Crow as Father Amorth. So it's going to get a bunch of attention. And instead of the uh, over-the-top Hollywood version, uh, this book from Sophia Institute Press uh, will be helpful. So we'll talk with him. Uh, in a few moments, we'll play that interview that I did. But first, what you need to know today, I, I want to spend a moment talking about what you're hearing. Uh, and I hear it commonly now, a refrain from the media on two topics, uh, two aspects of the upcoming elections. And the reason I do this is to tell you how systematically and uh, programmic, pro- pro- programmatically they are lying to us and misleading us. And it's in the interest of uh, pollsters, consultants, and journalists to create the horse race mentality and to drive voter preferences and voter ideas uh, in the way they like and the way in which is more liberal generally. And for consultants on money. So, but let me stop. Here's the, what you need to know is I want to talk about two aspects of the elections recently and what they're saying as the conventional wisdom and how it's at least not clear to me that it's true and more likely they're lying. Okay. So here's the two aspects of elections. One, they, you will hear people say that the post row, you know, the post Dobbs pro life decision has been cataclysmic for uh, uh, Republicans and for conservatives because they say it motivated people to vote on the pro, uh, pro-choice pro issue and to, and to want to protect so-called women's rights. This is a lie. Now, it is a lie because what they cite are places like Michigan. Michigan is a blue state, and Michigan uh, did a massive blue turnout, and they were able to reverse a 1931 law that was able to be demagogued as being too harsh, that law. So it's not, doesn't, you don't get any uh, uh, bonus points for a blue state going blue. 
Likewise, just a few weeks ago in Wisconsin, the idea is that, oh, Wisconsin, there was a pro-life candidate for you know, the Supreme Court and there was a pro-abortion candidate and the pro-abortion candidate won handily by 11 points. It had a lot more to do with the candidates and the quality of the candidates and a lot more to do with money. You see, in the case of Wisconsin, there was at least, I, the numbers I'm seeing now are $50 million spent for the Democrat and about $10 million for the Republican. That's very difficult to overcome. And now, if you read closer and stop reading the headlines that say, oh, Republicans punished because the people of Wisconsin are not as pro-life. If you read closer, and you got to go find the articles and find the quotes, you'll discover that two things happened. The candidate, the Democrat candidate, ran as a tough-on-crime former prosecutor, even though she wasn't. She was a liberal and let people out of, of jail when she was a judge. But they they, they intentionally ran as a pro-crime uh, um, uh, uh, fighter and as a prosecutor. And they attacked the Republican and said he was too soft on crime. Now, those were lies, but they're policy fights they didn't run on abortion. In fact, they admitted that the 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 the, the, uh, uh, the justice that won that her staff admitted they ran a, they did not run abortion ads, especially in certain places, because they didn't want to solidify the opposition. So my point on this is there's two. This is one thing you're hearing all over the place. People say, "Be afraid, be afraid." Pro life is going to cost elections. It's a lie. It's a lie. First of all, most of the country, so sixty five percent, support. Some limitations to abortion. Only about 30% say no limitations at all. So you have to find the sweet spot to talk to some people. But in general, the country is more pro-life. We got work to do. Don't, don't get me wrong. But it's more likely that you'll be demagogued than you will be talking about the issue. So don't be misled. By the way, one more thing on this. Don't be misled when people dodge and they say, oh, it's all returned to the states. That's not true. What Roe v. Wade's removal from the scene did was make it so that you could regulate abortion and there wasn't a fundamental right in the Constitution that stopped that. But the regulation can happen at every level. So you could ban abortion in the U.S. Congress if you had enough pro-lifers to do it and a president that would sign it. You can ban abortion in Texas or Florida or Georgia. I think Georgia did pass a ban, close to a complete ban. And you can ban it in states. You can also do it in, in jurisdictions. You can limit abortion in jurisdictions even below that. In a city, for example. So there's lots of possibilities. And again, there's only one set of extremists in my mind in the, on this issue. And it's the people that like Governor Northam, the former governor of Virginia, who said, you know, we got to have abortion right up to the moment before the baby's born. That's partial birth abortion. That's horrendous. That's, that's extremism. And the more Republicans can define or opponents of pro-lifers can define that position, the more they win. OK, second topic. There was a lengthy think piece in uh, the Wisconsin, uh, again, recovering Wisconsin in Politico. And the story here, this is the second. So the first one is you're, you're hearing people tell you pro-life. You can't be pro-life and run and win in this post-Roe environment. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's meant to drive you to take positions that soften the Republican Party's platform on pro-life and other things. Now to the other one. They're, they're saying, ah, Wisconsin was early voting. Early voting gave the advantage to the Democrat to win. And it is true. The Democrats do early voting. But there's a reason why, as my colleague John Schlafly put it in a text, we were texting back and forth on this. He said, the reality is, the reality is only Democrats can get more votes by the early voting 
and by mail-in voting. And why? Because they count on low-information voters. They're counting on cheering. Now, I think they also count on fraud. John didn't put that in his text. But so Republicans, we, 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 don't, we know who our voters are. And, you know, you can try to persuade more people, but getting them out to vote doesn't change. In fact, it doesn't people, conservatives don't really like to vote early. They like to vote on election day. And so what you're seeing, though, my point here is you're seeing a concerted effort, concerted effort for by the media and others to say you have to participate in early voting. You have to participate in mail in voting in order to compete. And that's somewhat compelling. If you watch Donald Trump on uh, I think it was on either Hannity or Tucker, one of these interviews in the last week or so, when he says basically goes through and he he says, um, you know, at the end of the day. You, uh, he, he was pushed by, I guess it was Tucker, and he, he sort of admitted, well, we're going to have to go by the rules that they have, meaning mail-in voting. But he said mail-in voting is, a, is an invitation for fraud. That was Trump's line. He's always said that. And so, but here's the thing. What they want to do is normalize the non-election day. They want to normalize election season, the season, and they want to get that everywhere. You see, you can win in red states if you can get more and more early voting. You can find ways... To, to, to for fraud and to get low information voters out, if you can get to red states, I mean, if you can get early voting, lengthy the you know a three month voting season, it's a disaster. So my point here is, do when you when you're hearing on these two topics, for example, these are just two examples, you're hearing something that sounds like a canonical truth. Oh, pro life is a very bad issue for Republicans, conservatives right now. You got to run away from it. It's a lie. And the second one is, oh, early voting, you've got to embrace it. You've got to figure out how to embrace it. You have to do mail. Uh, uh, Dropbox is better than Democrats. It won't happen. It won't happen. Conservatives don't do that. And we don't cheat. With a problem, if you, if you could get a bunch of uh, conservatives who are willing to cheat, then you'd probably compete well with the uh, Democrats and the liberals. But that's not our style. That's not what we want to do. That's not who we are. So there's these th- that what you need to know is more and more, especially when it comes to the elections, I, I was going to go on to one more topic here. They had the Brazilian president, Lula is his name, came to town and, and he did a lengthy speech and he said how, you know, oh, my gosh, the world is dominated by all these conservative right wing conservative ideologues. And they formed a network and he goes through a list. One is in Brazil, Bolsonaro. He just lost the election to Lula. He, and the other one is Trump. Well, he just lost the election. He's not in office. Right. And he goes through this and you say to yourself, it's the opposite. It's again, it's a typical move when the media gathers around and starts to write this narrative. There's a right wing, you know, worldwide conspiracy. You look up and say, no, it doesn't look like that. It looks like a left wing, you know, globalist conspiracy where the power, you know, go from Obama through Macron, uh, you know, go through the, the Davos crowd. You know, when Obama was in, obviously, it's Biden now. It's the other side. It's exactly the other side. So anyway, but back to my point on these on these elections right now, what you're hearing is the the certain truth presented over and over. And you'll see it in every paper and every uh, uh, media outlet. These truths all oh, pro-life is bad. And then you'll say, oh, and, and you got to vote early voting. Both of those things are false. They're meant to push us in a direction where we won't address pro-life and we will embrace early voting. And both of those things will be to the detriment of the country and the detriment of the conservative movement that bo- that needs pro-life and needs to build a better coalition of life and also needs to make sure we get to something other than the election season where fraud is uh, happening all the time. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be back with uh, John Schlafly and Jordan Burke right after this. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. An interesting uh, coming together of two uh, favorite topics, maybe three. Uh, and one, uh, I love to talk about books, and we have had some wonderful uh, Sophia Institute Press books on, uh, especially recently, but over the years, including one of the books was, uh, I think it, it may have even been the Pope's Exorcist, 101 Questions about Father Gabriel Amorth. Um, that, that, that is a, a book that's out from Sophia Institute, um, but actually it's coming out April 18th. So there were three other books, I think, by Father Amorth and another one anyway, We've had a number of uh, titles, and now they've made a movie out of uh, Father Amorth. I'm not sure if it's exactly about one of the texts. We'll find out uh, from our guest, uh, who is a spokesperson for that book that's coming out on April on April 18th, uh, uh, Jordan Burke. Welcome, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, so first, uh, thank you. First, um, all this interest in Father Amorth. Um, he passed away in the last couple of years. I'm sorry, I don't remember exactly. And so you, you guys published a couple of his books before. He sort of got a little bit famous at the end of his life. Um, well known in certain circles, of course, but sort of famous. And then after death, a lot more attention. What, what's been the trajectory of this, uh, of this author? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I've been kind of diving into that myself. I'm curious if this is kind of the becoming of possibly a move for his canonization, maybe not so much in the church, but in from the laity. Uh, I certainly think that he has a cause, um, although time obviously will tell. Yeah. But as for anything else, it's 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 tough to say. It's um and but but he so he had a long career. He didn't die uh, as he, uh, too young a man. I mean, he had a long life. He had a, a sort of um, when you looked at his career and when he wrote about it, um, decades of experience as an exorcist. So now there's a movie with Russell Crowe, um, which makes it a big big movie, right? It's not he doesn't do too many indie features. Was your um was Sophie Institute uh, Press's books that on Father Mort or any of them were they really you know did they buy the rights did you have a relationship with the 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 movie do we have any sense how the movie's going to be you know I honestly have no clue that's <laughs> <laughs> not a great that's not a great answer but uh, I really don't know I know that they mentioned it to me that there was a movie being made but they never mentioned if they had um, any rights sold you know as you mentioned previously uh, Father Morth Sophia has actually published a few of his books and he has a few others out there from other different publishing houses. Um, but in terms of the movie and how that all came about, I, it's, it's all a mystery to me. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So now to um, uh, uh, the Pope's exorcist. First of all, why was he called the Pope's exorcist? Cause there would be a whole bunch of people that had different roles, I think across the church as an exorcist. So was there, was that pr- relationship particular? What was this um, priest's life like and how does it fit together? So my suspicion is because it's not really made clear in in this book as well as any of his other books. However, that being said, he was appointed an exorcist at the time where there was a significant lack of exorcists. And unfortunately, we're seeing that same trend kind of pop up today. But in his case, he was performing up to he estimated 60,000 exorcisms um, before he kind of quote unquote retired before he passed and and to put that in perspective he didn't become a priest until he was 32 years old and he didn't become an exorcist until he was in his 60s so from 60 to roughly 80 something years old i believe it was um he performed all those exorcisms now what that means is he had to have extraordinary faculties 
you know, he had to, you, you generally have to request permission for each case. You know, there's uh, permissions for epiphany water outside of uh, the blessing, the normative blessing of epiphany water, things of that nature. So, so my suspicion is after reading, you know, this book and all of his other books is that he was given probably extraordinary faculties uh, in a case that we wouldn't quite see today, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, and certainly um, it, it, the descriptions of his life, as you point out, um, he was uh, he was an extraordinary um, character. I mean, meaning he had, as you mentioned, uh, relatively late vocation, relatively late to the to the exorcism. Um, he the. Uh, what what was what are the specifics of of who he was? I mean, does somebody when you read about him, does this this guy get end up in the positions he's in because he's holy, uh, because he's particularly talented? How does it? How do you describe what he? Because he became this sort of really unique figure in terms of battling real evil and demons. Um, it's it's not common. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So when you read the the church documents on appointing an exorcist, it does mention that the person needs to be of outstanding character, prayer, quality, things of that nature. Um, and he, what's, one of the things I love about Father Morth is he's very quick to say he's a good for nothing. That was his kind of go to <laughs> phrase. I'm I'm just a good for nothing. He he had a lot of humility, mostly because he also knew that he struggled with pride, which is you know it, it's great that he was aware of it and, and fought against it. Mm. But he. He's a fascinating character because he was born in 1925 and he felt the calling to the priesthood when he was about 12 years old, I believe it was. But prior to that, or prior to the priesthood, rather, he fought in the resistance in World War II or fought for the resistance. Um, he dabbled in politics. He helped the Italian prime minister at the time draft their constitution. He wrote for multiple publications. So he's very learned. And then he goes into the priesthood and he helped with the Paulines. He was a teacher. He was an author. He was all these other different things. So a combination, I think, of what he did and what he learned, um, as well as, you know, his understanding of the faith, uh, it seems to me that it made him kind of a perfect candidate for what he later became. What he ended up doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. the, the, uh, the, Movie The Exorcist, the famous one from uh, set uh, record um, uh, filmed in Georgetown, down by the in Washington D.C. and and sort of famous. Most people don't even remember it. I mean, in a w- funny way, it's been long enough ago. Um, but it it did set off a sort of fascination with um that kind of thing, meaning you know evil demons and all that. There is a part of this where. Uh, people get fascinated with something where if you talk to the real practitioners who worry, you know, fight this and worry about it, it's it's not an interesting subject. It's not a right. pleasant thing. It's actually really, really scary, meaning nasty and terrible with lots of suffering wrapped around it. Not a lot of, you know, levitation and then and then a stiff drink. It's really unpleasant stuff. Did When you read about Father Amorth, I mean, there's a part of this where uh, a guy like him would be s- sort of seared by the encounters over and over again with real evil. Right. When I think in a way, so, so you're correct. You know, there's a people, there's this instance where people develop this kind of, uh, disordered curiosity, this curiositas. Right. Right. And that's, that's something to be aware of and to be on guard, on guard for. However, I I think that in a lot of ways, the exorcists are protected and they can be protected. I mean, Father Morth writes about this. 
Um, but then there's also stories of exorcists who have kind of stepped out of bounds. And thankfully, they're as terrible as that may be. And the consequences that come from that, you know, thinking that they have the power rather than it coming from Jesus. Um, those stories serve as warnings for the rest of them to know, yeah, no, it's not us. It's God. And we really need to stay in our lane. Again, again, excuse me, we're talking with uh, Jordan Burke, who is a spokesperson, spokesman for uh, Sophia Institute Press and uh, the uh, book and, and a set of books. The book is The Pope's Exorcist, 101 Questions about Father Gabriel Amorth. Um, the Pope's Exorcist is a movie uh, that's going to be out. Um, Russell Crowe, I think it's out any minute, actually, maybe in a couple of days. Um, it, it, when you started to study this, uh, Jordan, did you... Uh, what's the most surprising thing about this uh, this priest, Father Amorth? I mean, again, even even you coming to it as you read it, you 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 know he he has a certain fame now. The last few years, so it's not like you can go cold to it because you probably were exposed to some of it. But when you get into the details of his life and what he's like, what's what surprised you the most? What's sort of interesting about that? I really appreciate the fact that he is not sensational at all. You know, that's one of the issues talking about these movies where they sensationalize things. And there are some things that are sensational, but that's not the reality for most cases. Right. He really understood. And he told, you know, priests and exorcists, you need to read the Gospels. This is part of our faith. This is things that we have to come up against. Um, but there's nothing sensational about it. it. These are the facts. This is the reality. And this is what we need to do. So I, I think that was what I appreciated the most out of it. He took a very complex topic and made it very understandable. I think in particular, this book is a great entryway for anyone who is trying to avoid that curiosity toss and avoid that uh, sensationalism to understand, you know, outside of the gospels, a little bit deeper into what exorcists have to deal with. What's the reality of possession, oppression and, and things of that nature. Uh, Jordan Burke, again, is our guest uh, and uh, the uh, the book, which uh, is out uh, from Sophia Institute Press, The Pope's Exorcist, 101 Questions About Father Gabriel Amorth, um, in part because I'm sure timing to try to get out the truth and the details. Um, there's a, a Russell Crowe um, big movie coming out called The Pope's Exorcist. Having some now some up up close knowledge, Jordan, of of this um, uh, priest, Father Gabriel Amorth, um, and what he went through and what his life was like, and then observing the culture we're in. What's your what's your best description or wonder about how the movie will be? I mean, it, it almost feels like me. It's to me, it's a sort of setup. If it's Russell Crowe, I think he's probably a, a decent enough guy. But they're going to have to make it, as you just said, uh, more sensational than serious, and they're probably going to make it more scary than uh, necessarily. Uh, uh, you know, kind of um, satanic, uh, and I'm I'm being serious. It's something people like scary. If you really know satanic, you don't like it. So, what right. what's your what's your feeling as this movie is coming out in a few days? Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what the response is going to be. Personally, this is strictly my own opinion. I, I don't kind of I don't put that stuff in my head, and that seems right. interesting because I study demonology as it's it's part of my job. Um, But as you've mentioned, rightfully so, you know, this isn't something that's um, fascinating or to be played with, or, you know, it's not a hobby. It's not entertainment. um, It's probably the best way to put it. So I'm curious to see what the response is going to be, but it's probably all the better that this book is coming out about the same time. So people can differentiate between 
you know, Hollywood, if it bleeds, it leads and the reality of our faith. Yeah. All right. The the book again, again, the books, the book is called the Pope's exorcist, 101 questions about father Gabriel Morth from Sophie Institute press. Uh, Jordan Burke, uh, thank you for the time. And uh, we will certainly, I think you're right. They coming. It's a good timing because if you want to read the, what's really going on and what uh, is behind things, there's this book and then uh, we'll see what the movie does. Thanks for your time, Jordan. Thank you so much. All right. We will take a break and uh, be right back. I'll put up on social media uh, links to uh, both the movie and the website, uh, and we'll see how we do. We'll follow back up. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. John Schlafly joins us. The Schlafly Report is each week is uh, published each week over at townhall.com. Andy and John Schlafly produce that column. It also is archived at phyllisschlafly.com where you'll see all of John and Andy's columns there. Uh, this week's column, John, I was happy to have this one because even though I actually have been exposed to aspects of the policy debate around this, I didn't really know the history. The title is Court Rejects FDA's Abortion Scheme. Uh, so, John, tell us what this is this is going on for a couple decades actually um and the fda and i mean it goes all the way back to the clinton presidency walk us through what has happened the media is covering it as if uh somehow um i don't know they're trying to blame trump Uh, a trump appointee uh is denying everybody everything under the sun in terms of health care but walk us through what this is about well that's right there's a long history of what's called the abortion pill um and it was invented in France, apparently, in the 1980s by a company whose initials are RU, and their product trade name was RU486, if anybody remembers that. Yep. yep. But uh, And uh, back, in the, back in those days, uh, there was grave concern about pro-life Americans to keep it out of the United States. And Phyllis Schlafly joined Dr. Jack Wilkie All in right. that effort. But... Um, <clears throat> Okay, but time went on, and in the last month, almost, of the Clinton administration, the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, rushed through an approval of to allow this medication. Of course, all medications offered for sale have right. to be approved by the FDA. Right. And so the FDA approved it. And, and uh, but... Um, this, and this, what the, this, what the judge in Texas correctly found was they did not follow follow proper procedure and uh, and their approval was invalid according to the judge and so he said with the if the approval by the FDA is invalid then the pill can't be sold right. anywhere in America whether it's a red state or a blue state or you know no matter what the law is of abortion this is a medication and if it's not approved by the FDA it can't be sold so that's where we stand right now the and uh, of course the and and by that time the the French the original French company really didn't want that hot potato so what they did was they sold the rights to the pill to another company and there's a company now that this is their only product oh, they're okay. not really a pharmaceutical company it's called Danco all they did was buy the rights to this one pill to chemically kill uh, an unborn child in the womb. And they've been selling that. Uh, and the Biden administration has been promoting it. And uh, originally, there were it was available under restrictions which were properly 
made to safeguard the health of the young woman, but, you know, those restrictions or limitations have been eliminated. So, you know, the idea is you can just take a pill and your problems will go away. Well, of course, this is a lot of what's wrong with our country. People think you can just take a pill, whether it's a, whether it's an opioid, whether it's a, a vaccine, a like Adderall, a vaccine, and, you know, <laughs> or, yeah, a vaccine, and you know, take a pill and your problems go away. Well, that's, you know, I realize Ed that your your <laughs> lovely wife uh, prescribes that's right. pills be as careful. part of her medical practice. Be, but, be careful. That's uh, right for no. for geriatrics patients like you, John. That's the thing. But but John, here's a, here's the context too, and we're talking with John Schlafly about his column uh, that he and Andy Schlafly wrote. Uh, Court rejects FDA's abortion scheme because a a federal judge has said, "Hold on, uh, this how you did this, how you approve this, what's going on? We better pause this." But John, the the context, the overarching um, context is bigger now. Now because uh, Planned Parenthood has been upfront that they're no longer going to try to build brick and mortar abortion mills. They, they, it's inconvenient. It's it's too much attention. It's too expensive. They're going to dispense the drugs and they're actually going to use telemedicine. They want to keep the telemedicine movement going, which was accelerated dramatically during uh, COVID and uh, and buy uh, fiat of the government said, you know, allow uh, medicine across state lines, allow telemedicine. And, and they have a situation where they want to dispense these drugs uh, through telemedicine, through the mail. And and they want the least amount of regulation that they possibly can uh, to do that. Well, of course, of course they do. They're in the abortion business. And like any other business, they want the least amount of regulation. Now, you know, it's a legitimate business. Uh, that's understandable. But, um, you know, it just and this is another important issue that came out in the judge's decision. There is a federal law that's been on the books for 150 years that says it's illegal to use the mail right. to uh, ship or transmit any product to be used for abortion. And it's not only the, and and not just the United States mail, but even private delivery services like hmm. FedEx or UPS in interstate commerce. If the purpose and intention is to cause an abortion. Right. So, and, um, of course, so, you know, that's another backstop in which uh, pro-life, our beleaguered pro-life community has to uh, protect against, uh, it's basically chemical warfare against the unborn is what's going on here. Um, John, horrible, it, horrible thing. It, well, and and what's lost on this is uh, there's lots of aspects of this, by the way. Some of the uh, implementation, you know, when you have a a, a a a a lot of times this drug is designed by the at least by the proponents to be administered individually by the person, not in a hospital, not in a even a clinic. And you have a problem where uh, there's complications. You have a problem where there's um, uh, real, you know, the 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 discharge of a of a unborn baby is a significant discharge. You know, you whether you, the they left wants to call it a uh, waste, bio waste. It's re- a real amount of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of complications to this that are sort of uh, uh, missed. Um, John is, on the other hand, um, the pro-life movement it seems to be struggling to find its footing 
post uh, Roe v. Wade's reversal by Dobbs, uh, be uh, articulating uh, maybe how to promote the culture of life. I don't know. I may be reading into it more just because of what I'm worried about. But what, what is your sense of the pro-life movement sort of being able to grasp what's happening and and respond? Well, I, th- I fear that you're right about that, Ed, and I don't have the complete answer to it. And uh, while the movement was struggling to to reframe the issue in a positive way, this ruling came down. And now the focus of the country is on the specific issue of the abortion pill. And I'm sure many people didn't realize that uh, the pill is now responsible for for half of abortions in America now. That's, that's, mm. a, new, that's wow. a new new phenomenon. And that's really in large part the result of uh, the Biden administration giving it, a, you know, pushing it, pushing right. it, and pushing aside the, um, the the legitimate concerns that have always been there yeah. ever since the this pill emerged in the United States for the first time in the in October of twenty uh, of two thousand, which was the last gasp of the bill and hillary clinton administration um john you know it's a slow start but it's built up steam and now that's where we are uh you know that they the judge uh whose name i'll I'll butcher in pronunciation uh, judge keck smarrick um the federal judge who struck this down in your column uh, we're talking with john schlafly you quote you are quoting his opinion where he writes 83% of women report that the chemical abortion changed them. And 77% of these women reported a negative change, wrote the judge. 38% reported issues with anxiety, depression, drug abuse, and suicidal thoughts because of the chemical abortion. His point being, before you rush this thing out, there's a whole bunch of considerations. That's what the, uh, what the Food and Drug Administration is supposed to do. But John, why hasn't there been a, um, or maybe there has to some extent, but been a, a sort of um, backlash over these last maybe 20 years, you know, the, the so-called liberation of women was to include, um, you know, the, the birth control pill and then therefore promiscuity on demand. And, and it's, it's clear that the birth control pill has a massive, uh, impact on, on breast cancer, on other aspects of health. And so does the, you know, promiscuity movement. And, and in this case, now we're talking about the drug. This drug is, has an impact. Of course, it kills the baby, but it also has a massive impact on the woman. And yet, the feminists are absent. Uh, uh, it's it's a very um, it's obvious and it's consistent. So it's not surprising, but it is uh, really uh, amazing to think through. Well, uh, that does need much more attention, and I'm not really the one to speak to that, Ed. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone more sensitive is called for. I mean. Sad thing is that many young women don't really appreciate that until yeah. they're over thirty, right. and then they're uh, right paying their right. their lifetime of uh, uh, of children is yep. slipping away. Yeah, and that's that's very sad, and many become bitter as a result. Um. So I don't have an answer to that. It's not. Well, a I guess I guess, I guess my, face, I, yeah, but, I guess, but I guess. someone needs to re someone needs to speak to that and teach young women beginning as teenagers what the as you know, the phrase used to be the facts of life, you right. know, 
that phrase has disappeared right. uh, from our national conversation. But that's this is part of the facts of life, especially for young women. Well, and but if I if I if I designed a series of decisions, uh, regulatory decisions that had the impact on on the on the entire um, um, female sex that the abortion pill, uh, excuse me, the contraceptive pill and now the abortion pill have had, you, you'd have a lineup of plaintiffs lawyers who are ready to sue uh, and, and class actions and everything else because of the impact. And you don't. And you don't, I think, because the, the feminists uh, don't want to acknowledge that that would be, you know, going against what they have argued for so long and what they really want. So it's uh, it is. But it, as you point out, there's probably better advocates for this uh, than you and I. All right, John, I got to run. John Schlafly, everybody, his column is over at uh, dot com archive there. Courts reject FDA's abortion scheme. Thank you, John. We will uh, talk again next week and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. The two ends of the political spectrum, the right and the left, aligned against the middle on the issue of escalating the war in the Ukraine. Moderate Senator Mitch McConnell relies on globalist support to cling to his power as the leader of the Senate Republicans, and now he's hurting our nation and his party by siding with President Joe Biden on Ukraine. While Mitch McConnell is working with his fellow octogenarian Joe Biden to push the wrong war at the wrong time, younger conservative Republicans in both chambers of Congress are speaking out sharply against it. They can keep him, is what Representative Matt Gates stated in outrage about Joe Biden's visit to Ukraine and prioritizing a war halfway across the world, when our southern border is open and the toxic train wreck catastrophe in Ohio was still fresh. Freshman Senator Eric Schmidt of Missouri backed Gates up by saying, if you want to understand why so many Americans are frustrated right now, Joe Biden is in Ukraine before Ohio. Schmidt was elected with the support of Donald Trump, who himself personally provided much support for the people of East Palestine, Ohio. Yet globalists who profit from perpetual war in distant lands expect to win this issue in the swamp. McConnell's continuing support of the war gives Joe Biden less to be worried about in his own reelection campaign for president, if Democrats indeed do renominate him. It's no coincidence that McConnell's Ukraine war cry was timed perfectly with the globalist Munich Security Conference in Germany, where Vice President Kamala Harris made a fool of herself last year. This year, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom recklessly vowed to provide long-range weaponry that would enable Ukraine to attack targets inside Russia. Europeans should be told not to expect U.S. help if Russia or China retaliate against them. History has shown time and again that it's almost impossible for a nation to win a war which the people do not support. In the first two world wars, America did not enter the conflicts until we had a personal stake in the fight. If our world should be plunged into another global conflict, it should not be started by establishment warmongering by America's political elites. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. America is safe only when America is strong. Our national defense requires the most modern technology and best trained soldiers. And there should be no social politics or idle threats coming out of Washington. At phyllisschlafly.com, we take this work very seriously. Please visit phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Hey, we just finished it up. we got a couple of minutes. Uh, let me underscore for you, um, Karen Garnett, our friend at the National Prayer Luncheon for Life. Uh, we just had a great conversation with her. Um, I'm going to, uh, I, I was texting someone about that and they didn't quite understand it. Here's the deal. There are six finalists for a big grant, a prize of money. And if you go to nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org, you can vote. You can look at these six finalists, these efforts, pro-life efforts, and you can select which one you want to. And whoever gets the most votes will win the award and get a prize. And, and the prize is cash money to do their work. So it's worth doing. So go to nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org, nationalprayerluncheonforlife.org, participate by signing up and uh, voting and uh, you won't regret it it's a great effort it's a great group it's important people karen garnett is wonderful so uh, please do that and please participate that way because it is well worth your time well worth your effort and it's an important thing so do that um and again it's national prayer luncheon for life.org uh, all right thank you as always to the great noah dingley our producer uh ryan height for our associate producing thank you to our great guests and uh, especially thank you for listening visit proamericareport.com to sign up there for our daily email the daily wink and we'll be back tomorrow it's ed martin here on the pro america report talk to you then this is the pro america report on the answer san diego Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.